Hi, my name is Chanel Otley Allen, and you're listening to Caribbean Brood Stories. Welcome. There's never been a podcast that focuses on Caribbean women from all walks of life, narrating their journey of giving birth, navigating self-care postpartum, and parenting across our beautiful region. Now there is. Caribbean Birth Stories is committed to providing a space for honest, non-judgmental conversations, fostering a supportive community of listeners, inspired to share and act on the resources born out of every episode. Do enjoy. Hello, my Caribbean Birth Stories crew. You really don't want to miss today's episode because my next guest is full of pools of wisdom and she's funny. This season, I didn't want to only interview new mothers, but I wanted to incorporate the veteran mothers of the Caribbean. Auntie Lynette, because we never pitch marbles together, so I dare not call her Lynette during this interview, has been in my life for over 30 years. Born on the sweet Isle of Tobago, this baby boomer always keeps it real and seemed to have soaked up all the old wives' tales. I remember when my son had gripe and I mentioned it to her, she quickly responded, telling me to run to the drugstore to get some red lavender to rub around his navel, to which I retorted, there's a red lavender. However, I did what I was told. And if my recollection served me right, his symptoms did subside. Well, if you've ever wondered what were some of the issues veteran mothers of the Caribbean experience during their phase of pregnancy to childbirth. Listen. So, hello, Auntie Lynette. Hi, Chanel. How are you? <laughs> I am well. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. Okay, good. So you're going straight into dishing the facts, right? So yeah. tell me, how old were you when you first became a mother? Hmm. That was very long ago. <laughs> On actually two weeks before my 24th birthday, my first child, bouncing baby boy, eight pounds, 12 ounces. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yes, came kicking and screaming in this world. Okay. So how many children have you had since? Well, Well, since him. (laughs) Within the first seven years of my marriage, I had four children. Oh, my gosh. My first was born, actually, he was conceived on my honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And so he was born exactly nine months and four days wow. after the marriage. Mm-hmm. And by the following year's anniversary, the second son was born. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, two, <laughs> two years later, mm-hmm. my daughter was born. And then three years later, my last son was born. And how old is that, the youngest? The the, the youngest is 38. He would be 39 in November. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And the eldest, of course, is 45. He would be 46 in September. Right. So three boys and one girl. And one girl. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe your journey to motherhood? What was that, the lead up, the whole thing? Did you want children? Tell me about your journey. Oh, yes. I wanted six children. When oh, I my got gosh. Married. I did not know that. And yes, I wanted six children. And in my perfect mind, I wanted three boys and three girls. I had 
uh, well, when I got pregnant with my first son, it was excitement mm -hmm. in the family because yes. here I was having the first grandchild for okay. my parents. Mm -hmm. And um, even though I was not the eldest, mm -hmm. the others kept telling me, you always like to do everything first. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I had this young man. Mm -hmm. And of course, the the pregnancy was was good. It was you know I had no issues, right? Um, and um, I had I was working. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed my job and I enjoyed my pregnancy. Okay. And then we had all kinds of bits of advice coming. Yes, tell me a little bit know, about that. You know, in the Caribbean, as soon as you get pregnant, everybody come in with something. Mm -hmm. So I was told, don't go to the beach, don't bathe in the sea. Why? They claim mm -hmm. that um, the buoyancy mm -hmm. can, I would have thought that that would help, but they said it, you know, it can interfere with the pregnancy and you can have a miscarriage and all kinds of things. Okay. The only bit of advice I really accepted was don't drink alcohol, <laughs> which was a real challenge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as you would well understand yes yes but mm -hmm. um um i was told don't dance too much because i love dancing and they know me mm -hmm. don't jump and i used to romp with my younger sister a lot because we were 11 years apart okay. and we had a set of romping and so on and they told me you know i can't do that i can't wear high heel shoes and mm -hmm. all sorts of things Yes, the yes. only bit of advice I took, I didn't have alcohol. Right. I yes. wore my high heel shoes. I continued mm -hmm. dancing. I think I actually played masks um, when I was about two and a half months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And how and, was that? Well, it was eventful <laughs> in that I got knocked down. Oh, no. On that same day. Mm -hmm. And a van was reversing with... Um, equipment so mm -hmm. the driver could not have seen in those days cars didn't have wing, wing mirrors mm -hmm. <laughs> at least in Trinidad yeah. the driver could not have seen behind him mm -hmm. I was crossing the road I had made it to just before the pavement to step up on the pavement but he was reversing and didn't see and he climbed the pavement and knocked me down oh my goodness and I was just about to go to put on my costume mm -hmm. and go to play mass. And I continued my, my then husband lift me up, took me to his aunt's home, which was just a stone's throw away. Mm -hmm. And they were studying to be you know, carnival day. You can't get doctors. It is right. advised to go to the hospital. Hospital, yeah. <laughs> and um, they wanted to call the doctor and I told him, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Um, let me put on my costume and go and play my mask. <laughs> and that's the true carnival. Yes, masquerader. You understand? I put on my costume and I went and I played my mask. Mm -hmm. And when about four o'clock, I started feeling pains in my legs and my side and all over. And um, I, my friend who was with me at the time, she said, well, let us see if we get a taxi to, to go home. I said, no, we'll walk. And we walked back to his aunt's home. Mm -hmm. And I said nothing. Mm -hmm. And didn't go to the doctor until the following day. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the doctor said, oh, everything is intact. But okay. I had, you know, like 
some little black and blue marks on my side. But thank God, I was good. And I and I'll tell you something. I was not being irresponsible. Mm-hmm. I felt. I mean, you must know your body. Right. And I didn't feel anything happening internally. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I always try to be in tune with my body. And I didn't yes. feel anything happening internally. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any spotting, nothing like that. Right. And I knew I was okay. And yes. the next day, the, the doctor confirmed mm-hmm. that I was okay. Okay. My well, husband that... was worried, but yes, <laughs> I knew what I, I was have doing. never heard of that story before. Your, your, I... your mom knows the story. <laughs> oh, she does? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I've never, never heard that one before. So I knew I would get a new story. <laughs> That's what um, my life is like. Yes. But so tell me, how did the, some of the other pregnancies go? Were they all pretty easy? Or, they you know? were pretty easy. Okay. And actually, I had all my children at um, a maternity hospital. Right. It was a private maternity hospital in, in Diego Martin. It's, it's, it no longer exists. But right. um, what happened, the... The first on the first pregnancy for the first pregnancy mm-hmm. on the day that my counting and my doctor's counting said that my baby was due, mm-hmm. I got ready the morning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and went to the hospital. Okay, and they told me, Um, but you're not in pain. Mm-hmm. I said, No, but my baby is coming. And they examined me and said, Um, well, okay, since you are here because mm-hmm. that was in Diego Martin and I lived in Rima. Yes. Since you are here, um, let us examine you before we send you back home. They right. examined me and they said, well, okay, well, you'll have this baby by tonight. And I said, no, I will have my baby by midday. <laughs> and they looked at me, this young, skinny little thing telling us. Oh, this I know. <laughs> so, and you, and you know me. And I said, my baby would come by midday. Mm-hmm. So they checked me in, took me to my room and all that. And by nine o'clock, I started feeling contractions with no pain. Okay. At 9 a.m. because I went in very early, about 7.30 in the morning. Right. Having contractions, but I'm telling them I'm having the contractions. And they said, no, nothing would uh, come now. At 11 o'clock, I started having pain with the contractions. Right. And I get, got off of the bed and I walked to the labor ward and I went up on a bed and I told them, well, okay, let's prepare. I'm ready. <laughs> I kid you not. Oh, my gosh. At quarter to 12, my baby was born. Oh, my goodness. And the, the midwife a darling of a woman. Mm-hmm. She said to me, she said, you really know your body. Yes. One year later, I went back and I said to them, I came to have my baby. Mm-hmm. So one nurse said, but um, you're not in, in labor, you're not in pain. I said, yes, I'm, I'm having contractions and my baby would come by midday. <laughs> the head midwife who owned the place, she said, don't worry about her, you know, she crazy. She will have that baby by midday. Right. And at 10 to 12, my second boy was born. No, Auntie Lonette. He was eight pounds, six ounces. 
and they were normal delivery. I had episiotomies because right. with the um, um, examination, they knew that I was having a large baby in, right. in, in comparison to what was happening. Mm -hmm. So I had an episiotomy again, mm -hmm. and my baby boy was delivered at 10 to 12. <laughs> wow. Two years later, mm -hmm. I attempted to do the same thing. But I'll tell you something. I knew I was going to have a girl. Right. You knew How in advance? I, for the two boys, mm -hmm. I had three months of morning sickness. Mm -hmm. Right? And everything was all right. I would have a little ginger tea in the morning. And then I would get up and go to work. Mm -hmm. So it helped. Right. And I'm not a breakfast person, mm -hmm. so that there was not much to bring up or anything like that. Right. So that I went to work as normal. And um, but for this one, my my daughter, I didn't know as a daughter at the time. Okay. I did not have morning sickness. Mm. And another old, one of the old wives' tales about um, gender recognition when you're pregnant mm -hmm. is that if you are having a girl mm -hmm. with plenty here mm -hmm. you will have <laughs> don't laugh heartburn yes. you will feel you know and I had that mm -hmm. so I was convinced I was having a girl anyway I went in the usual and they checked me and they said the usual that you're not ready. Not ready. Mm -hmm. But I was not feeling any contractions. So I didn't even tell them I will have my baby by whatever time. Right. Because I was not feeling contractions. And I was a little embarrassed to tell them I feel I come too soon. <laughs> <laughs> but because I knew the pregnancy was different mm -hmm. and I didn't have any contractions by about four o'clock the afternoon, I told them, you know, I think I'm going home. Okay. Because, and too, what happened in those days, when you go to that maternity hospital, you had um, your, your package was a four-day stay. Right. So that most people would have gone in the day of the um, delivery, Mm -hmm. So you have another three days right. to go through whatever process they, they would have with you, helping you with breastfeeding, helping you with um, bathing the baby, showing you how to bathe the baby and all of that. Right. So it, um, I told them, I think I should go back home. Right. And I did. Mm -hmm. I called my husband and he came and he um, took me back home. Mm -hmm. I... Two days later, I felt the feeling. Okay. And I said, yes, I'm ready now. Mm -hmm. And I went back. Mm -hmm. So said, so done. My daughter came. She didn't come around 12. She right. came in the afternoon about 3. And um, she was, uh, what, 7 pounds, 14 ounces. Okay. Yeah. Vaginal delivery as well. Vaginal as well. And then... Three years later, I went to have my fourth child. Mm -hmm. After that one, I decided I'll only have four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
was when the, nurse, the, the midwife examined me, mm-hmm. she said, um, oh, this one is a brow presentation. Mm, I said, a brow? What is that? Mm-hmm. She said, the baby's face is exposed. Mm-hmm. Because at birth, babies come with their, uh, their chins tucked in to right. the neck so that you see the crown. Correct. when they're coming through the passage. Mm-hmm. With him, you would not be seeing a crown if he, if with a normal vaginal delivery, mm-hmm. you would see the forehead. Correct. Mm-hmm. The brow. So, so mm-hmm. this, this is what, so she, she called the doctor. She said, this is usually a dangerous delivery to yes. have a vaginal delivery. Mm-hmm. And they have, but they, but they, do still, they had two uncalled doctors. Mm-hmm. She called them bo- both. Um, and they came and they spoke with me and they said, you would need to have a cesarean. Mm. And I looked them straight in the eye and I said, oh, no, not today, not me, not ever. Right. And they were cross with me. One doctor, he, he tried, he really tried to convince me. And I told him. No. He said, you can kill your baby and you can die. I Mm. said, my baby would not die. I would not die. And I'm having this baby, a normal delivery. Mm -hmm. And he, so um, the midwife said to him, he said, doctor, I know this lady. This is her fourth baby here. Mm -hmm. If she tells you she does not want it and she can do it, I would believe her. Right. And we'll do it. He got upset mm-hmm. and he left. Uh oh. And one doctor stayed. He did not come into the the room with us, but he stayed. Mm-hmm. And Venus Mark mm-hmm. became my hero. Aww, and I don't want to cry. Oh, you're making me cry. She said. How deep is your faith? I said, it cannot get any deeper. Mm -hmm. She said, mine too. Mm -hmm. And we prayed. And she said, listen to me carefully. Whatever I say for you to do, you do. Yes. And she hooked me up mm-hmm. and she went in she did the episiotomy mm-hmm. and started guiding the baby's head through the passage now the other danger is that the baby can stick in your passage yes. because with the head up it is coming out wider mm-hmm. it's a bigger expanse of of the head yes. to come through the base canal mm-hmm. and she said, you just follow me, follow my instructions. Mm-hmm. And I did. And at one point when she said, now push with all your might. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did. Now I was um, a little 120 something pounds all this time, because after having my babies, I went right back to my usual little skinny self. Right. And she said, now push with all your might. 
and I called on God mm -hmm. and we pushed. Mm -hmm. And that eight pound 14 ounce baby mm -hmm. <laughs> just came tumbling out. Wow. And the rest is history. <laughs> Most of it, you know. <laughs> but did he have any um, bruises or was he hurt in any way? He was not. It was, uh, an, uh, he was a normal baby. Mm -hmm. He active. Right. As a matter of fact, I remembered when he was 11 years old, I went to a family gathering. Um, one of my relatives had a, a, it was his birthday, but he used it as um, a family reunion. Right. And um, to have a family reunion. And when people saw this baby, but his head was still, you know, wobbly. Yes. And they said, but he is so old and his head is still wobbly. I said, he's 11 days old. Wow. No one believed me. Mm -hmm. They didn't believe I had just had a baby because I was back to my little skinny self. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's the other thing with my pregnancies. I never gained weight on me. Right. I gained that's weight with baby. the baby. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, um, and I wasn't such of a big eater mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't have many cravings. Okay. I, uh, two things I ate a lot of, okros and watermelon. Mm. I'm not sure about the okro, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I'll tell you why. A very good friend, a very good family friend um, was a midwife as well. And she told me, Another old wives' tale that if you eat plenty of crows, mm -hmm. your delivery would be smooth. Right. And I loved okros, mm. so I ate a lot of okros. I'm certain I had okros at least twice a week. Wow. And she also told me that. Um, and there, there was some, she also told me about my body. She's the one who always tells me about knowing your body, yeah. feelings, knowing what is happening and so on. So that, um, and she always said that if you feel anything amiss, mm -hmm. something that you never felt before, of course, she would have explained the fluttering stage and, you know, the right. movements and so mm -hmm. on. Right. And I had a, a very good GP whom I trusted. Now, in those days, as it is now, women did not really go to, um, well, they seldom did. Some didn't, and many didn't mm -hmm. go to an OBGYN right. for pregnancy. This doctor was my GP prior to my pregnancy, and mm -hmm. she continued throughout. I visited her once a month until... The last month, she had to be on vacation, and she had arranged for me to have my visit at the nursing home where I was going to have the baby. Mm -hmm. And she spoke with them. She sent a letter with my records, and um, they um, agreed that they would do that final um, right. that final visit. And that's what happened. Okay. So that. 
I trusted my doctor. Now I should also tell you that I have a sickle cell trait. Right. Yes, you do. And with the sickle cell trait, one has to be careful with the blood. Um, because, of course, you do not want to have. And while crises, sickle cell crises were not common when you have the trait, it is more with the disease. It does not mean that it cannot happen. Right. Okay. So I took my iron and uh, I took my folic acid. And uh, at one point, one of the pregnancies, my um, count, my blood count was low. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting, um, it would have been my second pregnancy. My blood count became low. And I would have been given hemoglobin, injections okay. i had to take three one a week mm. and i'm telling you receiving that injection was the only terrible thing about my about pregnancy. pregnancy the worst feeling of that thick serum because i had to take it on my buttocks mm. that thick serum crawling through mm. my leg Yes, yes. It's awful. And that, that was the only thing that mm -hmm. I dreaded. After having the first, and I had to go back for the second and the third, I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to manage? I went, I went through, I, I, you know, I, you know, my, my thing in life is, when you have a challenge, I always say, bring it on. Yep. And so true. You know, we get through it together, me and my God. <laughs> you so, know. so that was your, basically your journey to motherhood. My four journey times. to motherhood, four times. Yes. Now, let's talk about postpartum and your self-care. So when you were at this maternity hospital that no longer exists in Trinidad, and I don't know if there are any other or if there are any maternity hospitals. No, the, the hospitals where most people have their babies, uh, most people who can afford a private hospital, they have a maternity um, wing. Right. But I, I don't... I'm, I'm not sure, so I wouldn't speculate, mm -hmm. but I know that there are no longer um, hospitals dedicated to um, maternity mm -hmm. care. Right. There were two in my time, and both of them have gone out of business mm -hmm. um, because, you know, the, the larger private hospitals took over. And, of course, the owners... Um, both of them, the owners have passed. Right. Actually, the one I went to, mm -hmm. both women, both midwives, the one that owned the other and the owner of the one I went to, they first started that one. Mm -hmm. And then they split and they had two. Two. Okay. Right? Right. And well, those, they have now gone out of business. They, they mm -hmm. have passed. And um, I know the one I went to, the midwife's daughter is a doctor and she had continued the business for a while. Right. But um, they, they no longer exist. Exists. Yeah. 
Okay, so were there any challenges yes. that you didn't you were, you were You were asking about the postpartum in the... Right. In the Yes. Yeah, so postpartum so, in the maternity in hospital. In the maternity hospital, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, in my time, when I was having these babies, postpartum was not a word or a term that I heard. Right. I didn't, however, so that even though I got all the aftercare and they told me, taught me how to bathe the baby and talk to me about breastfeeding and all that, how to take care of myself with my stitches and so on. Right. All of that was um, normal um, delivery care for, for them. I didn't hear anything about postpartum. Right. However, there are two things that alerted me that something was different after I had my first son. On the second day, I did not make an effort to get up and go to the nursery and collect him and bring him to my room. They had to bring him for me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't anything that I was conscious about to say, I am not going. Right. I just right. didn't. Mm -hmm. And they brought him for me and I breastfed him and they showed me how to clean him and change him. And I went through all the motions, did it very well. And after they, they was visiting in the morning so that he, the baby would stay for the visiting time and then go back to the nursery because mainly fathers would come in the morning and friends and family come in the afternoon. And, uh, but I did that and I found something was wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't say anything and they kept bringing the baby and all of that. Anyway, we went home. And I did everything that I was supposed to do on time and all of that, the breastfeeding, the bathing. And the, however, every time I'm by myself, like the baby is asleep, I felt like crying. Mm. And I said, but girl, what's wrong with you? Why are you feeling to cry? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. But anyway, I told my friend, the midwife, mm -hmm. and... She said, if you're feeling to cry, just cry. Right. I said, but there's nothing to cry for. Why should I cry? She said, it sounds to me as though you are having some um, depression issues, postpartum depression. Well, was that? <laughs> <laughs> she, she went on to explain what happens with some women. Right. And I remember talking to myself. Mm -hmm. And telling myself there is nothing to cry for and everything would be all right. And, and I know this may sound a little glib and people who have real serious depression is, issues mm -hmm. may say, well, what is wrong with her? She's making light of it. But that is my experience. That was my experience. Yeah. And that is how it was handled. Mm -hmm. When I saw my doctor for the first time with the baby, I told her about it. She asked me about what was happening then. She asked me if I still feel that way. Asked me a, a lot of other questions about my moods and, and yes. things like that. And I answered them truthfully. And she said, mm-hmm okay you sound fine mm. and and that's that's how it went 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't happen again with the other three children. Okay. And I started to wonder why. And let me tell you, go back a little bit to the first um, birthing process and the other three. Mm-hmm. After my baby came with the first birthing process, I had a rush of the happy hormone. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was the most euphoric feeling I have ever experienced in my life to this day. Really? It has never returned. Oh. Not with the other babies. And I always say, I wondered if there was an excess with the happy hormone and my postpartum issues. Mm-hmm. Well, I they no do sign. say that it is a sharp drop in the hormone hormones that mm-hmm. results in these postpartum blues or baby blues that we right. experience after they right. given birth. So maybe all came out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you had a big rush, and then it. I dropped. had a big rush, and it dropped. Yes. So that is the only nexus I could think of between yes. that um, uh, that pregnancy and my the happy others. hormones and the others, mm-hmm. you know, and it never returned. Praise okay. God. So once you got home with all your babies, mm-hmm. did you experience any challenges that you didn't foresee? Um, I remember I had two babies one time, eh? Yes. I had um, a a twin, (laughs) but they were a year apart. Mm -hmm. But what happened, I had good support. Right. So that my challenges were taken care of. Mm -hmm. One, I had a daytime caregiver. Okay. Um, And she was a caregiver. She, She really came to help with the housework. So she was really a house help who had, I think, five or six children herself Mm -hmm. and found more pleasure in seeing both me and my babies. Right. As a matter of fact, in my second and third trimester with the second baby, when she was going home, she took the first one with her. So that when my husband comes from work on, on evenings, he would pick him up and bring him back so that I can oh, wow. get some rest and all of that. That's so nice. I had a little bit of pampering mm-hmm. where that was concerned. And um, she did a whole lot of pampering for me. I had it a little easy. Yes, that's, it sounds that way. <laughs> and, uh, and I continued even when I moved from Arima and went to San Diego, I need to live. I continued to have house help mm-hmm. for all the children while I, I had all the children until my last one started preschool. Okay. Then I stopped having house help. Okay. So that I cannot say I had the average person's challenges mm-hmm. were bringing up four babies who were born six and something years apart in, in, in that period by the first, the end of the seventh year, I had four of them. Mm-hmm. My only challenge was probably packing all four of them in the car once a year. And in those days, um, 
car seats right. were not law mm -hmm. and the type of car seats they have now were not available. Mm -hmm. um, at least here in Trinidad. Mm -hmm. And what we had, we had something called carry cots, okay. which was more of a baby carrier. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you strap the baby in it, but it wasn't what can be strapped onto the car. As a matter right. of fact, in those days, um, lap belts and seat belts were not part of the vehicle. Right. So they were additions that were not, they were optional additions. Right. Like that upgrades. if you wanted, you can um, pay extra for that. Most right. people didn't. Mm -hmm. So that somebody always had to hold the baby. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, some people held their babies in the front seat because that too was not a law. Right. And nobody really looked at the danger of mm -hmm. a baby sitting in the front seat. Front seat, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So we've come a long way from that. A long, long way. Yes, so I no recommendations to put any babies in the front seat at all. <laughs> at all. At all. At all. Um, okay, so tell me a little bit about now that you've reflected on your boots, right? Mm -hmm. How would you say they have shaped you as a person, like the experience on you? I think I'm a stronger person mentally, mm -hmm. physically. Mm -hmm. and spiritually mm -hmm. because there would always be challenges eh? mm -hmm. but the challenges are not things that you can you know put your finger on and I can't tell you that this particular thing was a problem and that was a problem what I could also say that during that especially in, in my seventh year when I already had these four children, my marriage became a little tenuous. Right. And th that had a bigger impact in terms of challenges with taking care of the children mm -hmm. than anything else that the children would have brought to the table. Understand. I always had support in terms of relatives or friends. And if I didn't have relatives or friends, I paid for help. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that that wasn't an issue. I was building my career. I was working. I never had issues there. Um, when I needed, I had a very good relationship with my, with my boss. When I needed time off, I got my time off because I was a hard worker. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any issues with taking work home. Even I remember being on maternity leave and my boss coming to my home with things, with files for me to do. Nice. And I didn't have a problem with it. I did it while children sleeping and working. Mm -hmm. But is that because you enjoyed what you did? I enjoyed what I did. Mm -hmm. My husband, on the other hand, he had an issue with it, but um, I didn't take him on. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did what I had to do. Right. Yes. But would you and say it becoming... me in that mm -hmm. it propelled my career. Right. Because oh, I was just going to ask you, did you think that becoming a mother and having four children slowed you down in any way, professionally? No, it didn't. Okay. No, it didn't. Okay. I... 
I did what I needed to do on my time. Mm -hmm. And I do not think it affected my children. Right. In that we had a lot of fun time together. Mm -hmm. Weekend time, you know, we we played, we laughed, we did our homework, we looked at TV. And I always had in my home a dedicated space for the television and for children to relax. Right. I grew up in a home where everything had a place and had to be in its place. Mm -hmm. So I provided a home where in that space, you can do what you want. Right. Be you. Mm-hmm. And my children enjoyed it. Okay. Even when the family grew bigger and that spare bedroom had to be taken up, my right. bedroom became that space. Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So knowing what you know now about how your life progressed and how, you know, the births of your children affected and changed you making you stronger physically, emotionally, and spiritually, what advice would you give to your younger self before you start having children, before you started having children? I would tell my younger self that I should have enjoyed my honeymoon more. (laughs) But I mean, you had a child, so clearly you were enjoying it. I I think we spent too much time on one activity. Mm-hmm. And did not do as all right. We did not go on a honeymoon pussy. Okay. Um, we spent three days having fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that we did not go anywhere, like you know, like on a trip. Right. Together. And so you were in Trinidad. We stayed in Trinidad. So we mm-hmm. did, you know, a little beach here and a little thing. But we did not, and I think that period mm-hmm. is very important because mm-hmm. you are now living for the first time with a new human being. Yes. And I I think that is the period when one should have at a, a, a time when you can see the person in different um, stages, different uh, moods different everything rather than going straight into a house and doing everything that mm-hmm. as though well you know you're washing you're cooking you right you're straight into your, house. your gender role yeah and um but but i must say that even though i started off that way when the children started coming in quick time <laughs> my my then husband was very supportive in terms of because he grew up even though he wasn't an only child he grew up as an only child and he knew his way around the house okay. washing cooking cleaning mm-hmm. ironing and I didn't like to iron mm-hmm. so that um there he he played his part and it wasn't at that time, it wasn't like, that's your job. Right. And, uh, you know, say what you want about how the marriage ended. He was always an equal mm. with housework. Okay. Well, that's and good. if I have to, if I have to give 
one advice to one bit of advice to um, a, a younger self is to ensure that you get that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think that's important. And, ensure that you get that, and ensure that you enjoy the first, uh, at least the first year or two of your marriage, both of you, with, and then choose to have to start your family you know yeah. that that is one thing i i think i would um i would Advice. do two things okay now <laughs> you are a grandmother as well right mm-hmm. so and i know you are very observant <laughs> um and i want you to give me your thoughts on mothers nowadays so it would be the millennials and you know the younger generation we are having children nowadays. What are you noticing? It could be positive, negative, or a bit of both um, about us that, you know, maybe has you concerned or maybe impressed. All right. I, what I notice is that the, the millennials are having babies older yes. than in my time. Mm-hmm. In my time, people got married between 18 to 25 Right. And started having babies. Now, a lot of, and I don't want to sound as though I'm talking about one type of people here, but a lot of young women now, uh, they look for their career. Mm-hmm. And possibly it's because, and I think the women who look at their careers first are the women who are comfortable in their homes. Right. So they have a certain level of privilege. They have privilege. They have support. Now, there's mm-hmm. another type of woman who doesn't have that. Right. And that woman, you may find, would have children at a younger age. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they start working early. They're going out on their own. They meet someone. And you find they may not even get married but they start a family and so on. But then, so that there are those who, because they are dealing with their careers, you find they put off starting a family. They put off getting married. Mm -hmm. And those um, people are less, believe it or not, independent Mm -hmm. than those who would have moved on and have their children early and so on. So if I'm to compare, I think sometimes because of the privilege and because um, one can afford to go to an OBGYN and and, and so on, mm-hmm. you find that they're more protected mm-hmm. and they depend more on what the doctor tells them about their bodies. And I don't think they 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 go into themselves right. and deal with what they're feeling, and you know. Mm-hmm. And even if they do, I'm not sure they know what to to say. Right? They may feel something different and go to the doctor, but it's it may fine. be, yeah, it it may be that it's, it's nothing. But they can afford to go to the doctor. Yeah. So they go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. 
the other person might ask a friend, you know, I'm feeling something, you know, what's, what's going on with that? What do you think? You had a baby before. You feel that? You know that kind yes. of thing? Yes, yes. Because some of them can't even take time off to go to clinics because mm -hmm. not every employer um, does that. Correct. And because there are very good public clinics, especially in Trinidad now. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, very, very good public clinics um, so that for people who can't afford to go to, like in my time, I had a GP. I didn't, I didn't think I needed to see a, a gynecologist. Right. And also in my time, sonograms were not popular. Mm -hmm. They were used, as far as I'm aware, in extreme cases where doctors really wanted to see what was going on. Right. Um, nowadays, I think sonograms have become fashionable mm. because the gender reveals have become fashionable, fashionable yes <laughs> and uh, one can say that's the price of progress or the benefit of progress right mm. but um i never had a sonogram until after all my children were born really yeah after I had an issue of um, fibroids. Right. And that is when it became necessary. Okay. You know, so <laughs> it's, it's weird, isn't it? But then well, that compared was to what happens now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, now people, I think, have sonograms every trimester. Yeah. A lot several of people do. Sometimes, several times in a tri trimester. And, mm -hmm. Right. You see? Um, sometimes I wonder, you know, if all this technology <laughs> is necessary, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. but it helps because, you know, things are detected much earlier exactly. where there are issues and, and that kind of thing, right. because, um, however, even my brow presentation, I don't think that would have been, um, found out in a sonogram because, from my reading after, these things happen when the child is moving into the birth canal. Right, yes. You know, so that it may not have... Um, it may not have been picked before, up. Oh, yes. right, you know. Mm -hmm. So so that is um, one, one difference. A lot of... And because some of the young people are so independent, mm -hmm. they do not ask for help. Help, yeah. So this has been a recurring theme Google. <laughs> yeah it's been and a recurring theme they feel that these things are old wives tales mm -hmm. they tend to say i'm not doing that right not with my child mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing yes and yes. the doctor said so and then they google it and they got confirmation mm -hmm. but sometimes it's good to to listen to these some of these things and, and weigh it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So as we're wrapping up, I want you to give, so there are expectant moms listening to this podcast mm -hmm. from across the region, the Caribbean and the diaspora. What yeah. advice would you give to an expectant mother right now about this soon to be transition to motherhood? The first thing I would tell a young mother 
pregnancy is not an illness. Pregnancy is a natural phenomenon, the natural thing that God made us for. Mm -hmm. We have to fertilize a seed mm -hmm. and bring it into this world. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can do that. And we need to embrace that. We, we don't need to hold it as a badge of honor, mm -hmm. but it is. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. Mm -hmm. love your yourself and once you love yourself you will love that human being that you are producing yeah. talk to that human being because that human being can hear and and become the person you want them to be talk to them sing to them play music that kind of thing and make your pregnancy a happy time yeah. listen to your Parents, if they know, because parents now are younger. <laughs> yes. And I am not sure if, you know, there are generational things that are, that are coming. But that is what I feel, that it's no mystery. It just mm -hmm. is a fact of life. Yes. You know? Okay. Know your body and do it. Yes. Thank you. And as you mentioned, music. I ask all my guests to choose a song that resonates with them when we talk about their journey to from from pregnancy to motherhood. What song comes to mind? Well, now that I am in my later years, <laughs> <laughs> I become a septuagenarian, septuagenarian mm -hmm. later this year. Yeah, wow. <laughs> And We've moved on from 27, have we? No, I'm still 27. <laughs> I will never move from 27. Right, okay. But there is something called a birth certificate <laughs> that records <laughs> <laughs> that records the day you were born. Born, right, okay. You know, mm -hmm. a friend of mine said there are two certificates that are important to, to, to you during life. Mm-hmm. One is your birth certificate and the other is your death certificate. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I have one so far. Oh, gosh, and, yes. Um, now that I've, I'm older and I can think back, there are mm -hmm. two pieces of music that um, really speak to me. Okay. One is um, A Mother's Prayer. Mm -hmm. I think it is, I think Celine Dion has the, the um, version that I like. Right. And um, the other is, believe it or not, not a calypso. I can believe that. It is a piece of my favorite Jamaican artist, Beres uh -oh. oh. Putting up a resistance. Mm. And those two pieces of music speak to me at different times. I have a third, but then I go way too far now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for one <laughs> okay so those two very nice very nice well Auntie Lynn, it was a pleasure as I imagined it would have been having you on Caribbean Boot Stories the podcast thank you so much for taking time to be a part of this and always supporting me and Caribbean women so thank you you're most welcome you know okay. you are my daughter <laughs> I have so many daughters you do you and do I just love to see my daughters do well and achieve their dream oh, thank so you I wish you all success thank you very much bye until next time you.
and give my career a kiss. I will. I will. Okay. <laughs>